today on It's Time. That's one of the reasons why the Bible warns. Pray, Jesus said, that you can escape all these things. What is that? Well, I believe that's the rapture, friends. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. You know, the book of Revelation is where we're at this morning as we've been going through the Bible. And in the book of Revelation, as we get to chapter uh, 19, is where we're actually at today. Chapter 17 deals with the demise of the political and the religious system of the earth. It's taken advantage of a lot of people over the centuries. We see a lot of the, the injustices that have been done in the name of God and in the name of government. We see all these things go on and God brings an end to that. The Antichrist uses religion to unite the world through a chrislam, coexist. You've seen the bumper stickers, whatever they might be, but the thing is, the idea is he's going to homogenize the religions of the world together once the Christians are taken out and bring them all together under one banner, a world religion. And then he uses this world religion until three and a half years into his demonic reign. Then Jesus said, be careful when you see the abomination which makes desolate, which was spoken of by the prophets of old, where the Antichrist goes into the temple, very possibly during the dedication. Now the temple is not there today, but it's going to be there. John in chapter 11 measures it so we know it's going to be there. And the Bible says the Antichrist goes into the temple and declares to the world that he is God and from now on he must be worshipped. So he scraps the very religious system that united the world and then he sets himself up as the supreme dictator of the world. Jesus said don't even go back into your house to Coat, just run for the hills. Because what's going to happen happens fast and it ca- happens continuous. And we remember the judgments that have already began the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and then we enter the bowl judgments, the most violent of all. And we come to the end where God ends this religious system, He ends the political system that has duped man. And then we found in chapter 18. God deals and ends the economic system of the world. In fact, if you study Revelation 18, you'll find all these different things that were were emanating from this one city. Now, some people say, well, it's New York. Some say it might be Dubai and and, uh, UAE. Uh, Some people say it could be in uh, many, but whatever it is, it ends in a day. In fact, the sailors don't even want to get near the city because of the destruction that came upon it. So we find the destruction of man's futile efforts to govern himself. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, 
We ask you now that as we study in your word, where you set up your kingdom here on this earth, what it will be like and what role we will play, what we need to be mindful of now as we prepare and see these days coming, what manner of people should we then be? And so we ask you now, Holy Spirit, to come in a very special way. And Lord, it's only by your word that was written for us to understand these words, and it takes your spirit in our hearts to allow them to go into our hearts. We ask you now to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Revelation 19 is an interesting chapter because we find the full transition between man's government and God's government. After these things, and by the way, it's metatelta in the Greek, and what it means is it's following a series of events. Somebody asked one time unto every man an answer, is the book of Revelation pretty much in order of the end time events? I believe that it is. And here's one of the reasons why I believe Revelation was written. It's to scare Christians to death. No, I don't believe that at all. I believe that the book of Revelation was meant to fulfill that 70th week of Daniel. There's one final seven-year period of time that's missing upon God dealing with his people Israel till all things be completed. In the book of Daniel, it says 67 uh, have been determined upon the nation of Israel, but the Bible tells us in the 69th year, Messiah will be cut off. And the clock stopped when Jesus was crucified, when they rejected their Messiah. But God is not done with the nation of Israel. And this is why I have such terrible problems with what's called replacement theology, that everything happened in 70 AD that we're reading about in Revelation here. God is finished with the Jews. It's very anti-Semitic. And the Bible says, God said to Abraham, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. Why does God say that? Because God ain't done yet. Now, what's the purpose of this? Well, first of all, friends, God made a promise to Abraham and he keeps it. If God kept a promise to Abraham and we see the rebellion of the nation of Israel through all the years and yet God was still faithful to them. How much more will God be faithful to you being you love God? And I think that's really important because you see, I look a lot of times at performance. You know, it's funny when we go to buy a refrigerator or a car or some other thing, we'll look through, oh, different magazine consumer reports, or we'll talk to our friends, or we'll even call the dealership and say, well, how's this car been running? Has it been good over the last five years? Have you got a lot of them back in? We want to know what the performance of that product is, whether it's a refrigerator or whatever it might be. How does it perform over time? When you look at the Bible, you have a picture of how God performs over time. God's not a flash in the pan. What he makes a promise, he keeps his promises. And he keeps his promises to a nation that has been contrary to him. Again, the nation of Israel today is not a godly nation. In fact, many People believe that if Jesus was to come and walk the streets of Jerusalem today, they'd do the same thing to him today as they did to him 2,000 years ago. Well, why is that? Because you see, hardened hearts are dark. Hardened hearts are blind. And, but even though that is the condition, God hasn't forgotten them yet. And God hasn't forgotten you. And as I look at this, we find an order of things. 
Why was the book of Revelation then written? I believe it's to encourage the Jews during this time, God hasn't forgotten you, and to help people who believe in Jesus through the tribulation, the most terrible period of time, the Bible says, in the history of man. How to navigate through a terrible time, knowing what is coming next. Now, that's why I believe, as you look at verse, um, chapter 18, verse 1, after these things, metatalta, chapter 19, after these things I heard. Why does it keep saying after these things? Because it's telling you an order of things. Now, if you are on the earth and you have gotten to this point as even a believer, you're going to know what's coming next. If you're not a believer, you can use the Word of God to navigate and say, hey, God already's been here. Maybe everything in the Bible is true, as a matter of fact. So the Bible was written for us to know God. I believe that in that knowing God of God in His Word, God has specific messages for specific people. Now, true, the, the Bible says it's the book of Revelation. What does Revelation mean? The unveiling of. God wants to reveal what's going on, not only concerning Jesus Christ, but the whole world. So as we look at this, he says, after these things, I heard a loud voice, a great multitude in heaven saying, hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power to the Lord our God. Only four times do you find the word hallelujah in the New Testament, and it's found here in chapter 19. Praise to the Lord is what it means. Man, I'll tell you something. When you see the end of all the things, you're seeing all the things that have happened in Revelation, I believe that hallelujah is going to be one of those that really rock the world. I really do. And, you know, it's interesting. Some people say this is actually one of the words in a heavenly language because it speaks of the total praise to the Lord. Salvation, glory, and honor, power to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. Now, again, we've talked about this. What about Uncle Fred that didn't make it? And I'll be in heaven and I'll look down and I'll think about my loved ones that didn't make it to heaven or my friends or whatever. How could that be heaven when I know they're going to be burning for the rest of their life? I think that's a good question, don't you? Would be one for me. But I've got to remember something. You in heaven will have a different perspective of life than you do today. We find a lot of times our perspective is formed by our what? Feelings. How do you feel about that? How do you feel? You know, we've got to be careful because true Christianity is never based in feelings. I've heard it said one time, feelings are neither right nor wrong, they're just there. <laughs> well, that's true. Have you ever felt somebody didn't like you? And, and, and oh, there they are in the store over there, and I don't feel that they like me. And, and, and you end up running into them later on in the, the store, getting a can of beans, putting in your cart, and you can't avoid them, and you oh, they don't like me. Ah, oh, how are you? And they haven't got a clue that you think you, they don't like you. Our feelings lie to us, and always be careful of that, because we believe sometimes in the carnal man more, and what I mean by carnal is an unregenerated person apart from Christ, we believe more in our feelings than we do in Jesus. And this, well, I feel that no one loves me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms. Well, what's the problem with that? God loves you in spite of the way you feel. <clears throat> your feelings didn't die for your sins, Jesus did. Always remember the difference. And when we begin to feel this is where our standard of life is, well, how do you feel about it? Well, the problem is our feelings 
can lie to us. In fact, quite often, usually do. So we have a factual relationship with God. And because of that, when we get to heaven, we're going to see the way God sees. And when I see that Uncle Fred didn't make it, or my Aunt Emma, or some other person that we know, I can truly say, as it says here, true and righteous are your judgments. You're going to see that that person had an opportunity to receive Christ. You're going to see what their heart was really like. And I don't think there's going to be any sorrow, tears, or anything in heaven. The Bible says, as we're going to get up here in another chapter or two, Jesus wipes away every tear from their eyes. I don't know what all that tear's about. Uh, that, that is a verse that concerns me. But it may very well be because we're remorseful of a loved one that didn't make it. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. How does he do that? Well, I think, first of all, he enlightens us with his spirit so we can say, hey, they had an opportunity to receive Christ and they rejected him. True and righteous are your judgments, God. Because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth. With her fornication, he's avenged on her the blood of his saints shed by her. By the way, this time of the earth, right before Jesus comes back to take the earth, is going to be so violent against Christians that you will be shocked to realize how wicked and in the name of religion they can do what they're going to do to people. That's one of the reasons why the Bible warns, be ready pray, Jesus said, that you can escape all these things. What is that? Well, I believe that's the rapture, friends. And the Bible tells us, true and righteous are your judgments. And when we look and see what awaits the world, we're going to understand more and have the heart and the eye of Christ in our life. Again, they said, hallelujah. And her smoke rises up forever and ever. Again, the terrible world system, been cast away. The people of God say, praise the Lord. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, amen. And here it is again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And here's one of the things we look at. Who are the 24 elders? Well, we don't really know. We do know that Jesus had talked to his disciples about you ruling and reigning with me. Some people believe it's the 12 apostles and the 12 patriarchs from the Old Testament that uh, the sons of, of Jacob. And so we understand that God has a, a way of doing these things. We don't know definitively, but I think that's a pretty good uh, thought of who they are. It says, they fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. A voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. Now, in quickly reading this, you can read right over something, I think, where you could spend an entire year on this one verse. And that's what it says here. Let's look again. Praise our God, all you servants, so we know it's servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. Wow. You can just read over that and miss that. I believe... A true minister of God should have one desire, and that's to share with you the truth of God's word. And this is it. God is the one that does it, but you need to be equipped. And one of those things is this, to be a great one. Notice it says small and great. 
Now, friends, this is in heaven. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, you know what? If I die, I just want to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. You know, that's a lousy way of doing things, isn't it? Don't you hate that when you have somebody come out and you, you, you pay them to do a job? And, and, and they, they, they do a job for you, but they do it wrong? They're a little one. I want you to be a great one. See, because the thing is, you're going to know what God is going to reward and what God will not reward. We find the, the parables that Jesus gave about the parable of the talents. Now, the parable of the talents, again, friends, I know we use that word talent, talent show, but it's not speaking of a monetary issue. Talent was an, a, 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 an amount of money. The Bible says to one he gave one, to one he gave five, and to one he gave ten. Went on a journey, came back, called his servants in. He goes, what have you done with what I gave you? And the guy that said 10 said, well, I went out and made 10 more. Now there's 20. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The guy that had five, he said, what did you do with the five I gave you? And he said, well, I went out and made five more. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. By the way, the, con- the, the, the commending of that servant was the same for the guy that made, doubled it, whether it was 10 or whether it was five. And I think that's good because some of us in our lives, we look around and say, well, maybe I'm a one talent guy. Maybe I'm a five talent guy. Maybe I'm a 10 talent guy. I don't know. All I know is whatever God gives you, use it for his kingdom. Remember this, you're a heartbeat away from leaving every single thing you own. People forget that. It's all mine. No, it's not. We are stewards. Always remember, you're a steward. I'm a steward. God entrusts you. You know why God entrusts you with anything? He loves you. He gives you talent. Some are, are, are natural born into you. I, I, I ran into people that I just, they have a way with numbers. They can, they, they're just like, they're like walking calculators. And they, they can do that. And they do that. And they use their talents and abilities for God. And it's a wonderful thing. I've been around people that are, are great mechanics and they use their abilities and talents for God. And whatever it is they have, they try to figure out, how can I use this for the glory of God? We talked about this many times before. This is part of what thankfulness is. Because until you take, until you become thankful, you're not realizing what you have. Be thankful for what you have. Well, I'll be thankful when I get what I want. No, we're thankful right now. If you're not thankful for what you have, you're not going to be thankful for what you get. That's just the way it works. But what we have, when we are thankful, we take inventory, and I go, oh, I got all these things, all these resources. God, how can I use these for you? What can I do to transform this that you've entrusted me with to further the kingdom of God? Now, the Bible says, the guy that had one, what did you do with the one I gave you? The guy says, well, here it is. I buried it in the dirt. I, I just can't I'm hardly imagine. He says, here, I, I buried it in the dirt. I could just see the dirt clods hanging off the bag of the talent of whatever it was, the, the, the resource that he was entrusted with. He says, I know you were a hard man. This is the guy talking with the one. And by the way, people that are lazy always have an excuse. I knew you were a hard man. 
You try to reap where you haven't even sown. So the guy was really stupid. He insults the guy that entrusted him with the talent. I know you're a hard man. So he's saying, I know you're heartless. And I know you try to bring in, a, bring in something from where you haven't even put anything out there. And so I just went and put it in the ground and here it is back. You know what the Lord said to him? Not well done, good and faithful. He said, you wicked servant. If you knew I was this way, at least you could have went down and put it in the bank and I would have got some interest on the, on the, on the talent. Take away the talent that he has and give it to the man that has 10. But Lord, he has 10 talents already. He goes, everybody that has, more will be given to. And if you're unfaithful in what you have, even what you think you have will be taken away, the Bible says. Wow. <laughs> That's, I need to take inventory. They say, why are you sharing this right now? Because of this. You can either be a small one or you can be a great one. But by the way, something to remember, everybody living today, everybody hearing this, you're determining what position you're going to be in heaven forever. And forever is a long time. Now, I'll tell you something that I've noticed and I don't understand it. I've heard explanations for it. But as I get older... And some of you older people will understand what I'm saying. Some of you younger people go, what's he saying? I, I, you'll figure it out, I guarantee, if the Lord tarries. The older you get, the faster time goes. I don't know if you've ever checked that out. I am serious. I went to the post office box uh, Friday, and I got in my post office box, and here's a bill. I go, I just paid this a week ago. No, I paid that a month ago. I don't know if you've noticed that. Remember when you were like 25, how much you could get done in a day? As you get older, you just about get your copy poured and it's time to go to bed again. Well, what happened to the day? How does this happen? I don't know. We have fallen into some kind of a time warp. But I've noticed that. Remember when you were five years old and you get in trouble? Your parents say, go, go stand in the corner. Five minutes in the corner, that's five billion years. And now five minutes is like, um, you know, scratch my back. Oh, yeah, five minutes. Oh, yeah, that's good. All right, that's good. And you realize how time changes. What I'm saying is that God lives outside of time. And time is a long time to us humans. And we're determining what position we're going to hold in eternity forever. So when I read this, and let's read it again, he says, Praise our God, all you servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. This is, a he- this is in the heavenly scene, friends. I want you guys to be great ones. I really do. See, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's why I want to teach you the Bible. If you know the Bible, you're going to know what God's standard is. And if you know what God's standard is, you're going to know what God is going to bless, and you know what he's going to curse. And we don't want to be doing things that are just spinning our wheels, burning our time, and has no eternal value. Being about our Father's business, so important. You'll be a great one. I want you to be a great one. 
Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.